I'm Akko. And I'm Marcy. And welcome to the Colored Pages Book Club, a bi-weekly podcast that focuses on fiction, fantasy, and magical realism written by writers from Colorful Backgrounds. Hey, Colorful Backgrounds. Yes. Woo-hoo. And today we'll actually be discussing part one of Small Beauty by Jia Ching Wilson Yang, a novel that basically chronicles the journey of a woman following the death of her cousin. But before we dive into all of that, um, we want to give you just a little bit of context about Jia Ching herself. So, Jia Ching Wilson Yang is a Canadian writer and her debut novel, which we're actually reading today, Small Beauty, was published in 2016. Jia Ching was awarded an honor of distinction from the Dane Ogilvy Prize, a Canadian literary award for emerging LGBTQ writers in 2016, and also won the Lambda Literary Award for Transgender Fiction at the 29th Lambda Ooh. Literary Awards in 2017. Her writing has also appeared in the anthologies Bound to Struggle, Where Kink and Radical Politics Meet, and Letters Lived, Radical Reflections, Revolutionary Paths, as well as in the literary magazine Room. So... We hype to read some, like to talk about small beauty because yes, it is super super interesting and Jia Ching just writes in a way that is like so unique. But before we go into that, Aku, did you have any other things you wanted to add to the introduction? No, I mean I just I'm interested to see her anthologies as well. Bound to struggle where kink and radical politics meet sounds incredibly it actually incredibly interesting. Sounds lit. So um, we might just. I mean, summer short series, like right. she's around the corner. Like, right. So, yeah. <laughs> Was it summer in, in, in December? Christmas in July? Right. Well, you okay. know what I mean? Like, right. <laughs> it's like we can do whatever the fuck we want, pretty much. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so with, I'm really interested in that. And also her writing style is just so beautiful. So I'm really excited to talk about this book. Mm-hmm. But before we get into that mm-hmm. i have a question oh my god what's your question I feel, like, <laughs> I feel like this is like a blues clues when they're like there's mail and <laughs> every episode like mail it's like motherfucker you get mail every day it's like you're still so hype like what and also like Steve really had me like hyped for mail, and then no, I got older, and I was like, "Oh, please, please don't!" Right. It's just bills in there. Right. <laughs> and then you like dread it. You're like, "Oh my god, credit card bills!" Like, do I actually want to see this shit right now? Like, can I just? Right. Oh god, yeah. So Ugh. I just feel, I just feel led astray, but it, it is what it is. Like, whatever, it's fine. Why, dude? Right. <laughs> just <laughs> like, fuck. <laughs> um, but think, so speaking about things being different <laughs> from our childhood. <laughs> Um, the question I have for you is, yes. look at that transition. <laughs> so they say that the only constant in life is change. In Small Beauty, May, the main character, is experience a major emotional change in her life with the death of her cousin. Mm-hmm. In your life, Marcy, how have you dealt with changes you've gone through, for better or for worse? Oh, my God. Um, That is a... Like, just a truly amazing question. I'm just going to really compliment that question to stall and give me some time to think. Uh, What the fuck I'm about to say? (laughs) Honestly, no, but like, real shit, though. I feel like when I think about, for example, like, you know, I don't know, like, graduating from school, like, professional changes, things of that nature. I feel like my go-to is to, like, kind of become a bit more insular in some ways. Not necessarily, Mm. like, I, like, don't engage with people, but I feel like 
historically throughout my life, like I've like, for example, I've journaled pretty much since like the end of high school. So I guess like the past like 10 years or so, but like, let's just call a spade a spade. Like mama has not been super consistent with that throughout the years. Uh, (laughs) So I feel like whenever I like have a huge change in my life, I'm just like, dear diary today was amazing. Like I'm like really jumping in like back into my like self-reflection. And so I feel like, which honestly I like that would ideally I would just be consistent about that all the time. And I feel like now I'm in a space in my life where I actually am, but but yeah, I think for the most part, I usually tend to try to like just be really insular and just to like really like think about like where I'm at and like how I feel, um, especially if it's like a change that's like maybe like a huge, um, I don't know, like a geographical one where like say I'm like in a different place. It's kind of mm. like having a better sort of like a more whole understanding of like where I'm at, like kind of helps me to sort of like feel I guess a bit more in control as I'm like trying to like gauge where I'm at in the community and like sort of, you know, meet more people and like kind of just make a home of like wherever I am if I'm like moving to a different place. But like bigger, like, but other like emotional changes. um, I feel like art, art and exercise, I would say, are kind of ways that I usually deal with that. For example, like when I think about like when I lived in DC, um, you know, I, there was a lot, there was, Oh, some shit a bitch was going through. <laughs> so I feel like I channeled a lot of the energy just through dance and like getting involved with like more artistic communities and things like that. But in the past, even before that, I, I would just, yeah you know, like go for runs and just like really try to like, just like stay active in, in a physical mm. way. Um, Cause I feel like that kind of just helped me to feel. Yeah. Just like, sort of, yeah, a bit more grounded in, in all the things, but, um, but also, I mean, again, we we trying to be honest on the podcast. There've also been plenty of ways in which I've been very evasive and not like like did not necessarily right. handle changes in my life in the most healthy ways. Um, like I've definitely fallen victim to you know just being like like oh like if I just like go out a lot, then like I don't have to think about the things that I'm going through. It's like I mean yes, like nothing wrong going out. Like let's all have a good time. But it's like let's not use this necessarily, or at least for me. Like I'm try- I try not to use that as like a way to like replace. Mm. like reflection or like having to i guess confront things i need to yes i've definitely kind of fallen into that as well just being like let's just like just be lit (laughs) just like (laughs) see what happens um if i don't think about it it's not it's not happening happening. and then the next day it's like oh remember that thing that you thought wasn't happening look at it weirdly still happening and i'm like oh my god (laughs) this wasn't sustainable and then everyone's like Okay, Marcy, we 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 all, we all like the audience kind of knew that. Like, it's just you're you're really the only one that's kind of like coming to this like grand realization at this moment. But like, you know, it's a it's a process, love. It, you know, some things take time. But uh, what about that's you? True. I just first, I just wanted. I think there should be on a shirt where someone just has their hands up, like this wasn't sustainable. <laughs> <laughs> um. I also really like your comment about journaling and it made me think before I started one of the journeys I've been through in my life, I had, I'd been really good at journaling. So Mm. right before I started, I had written sort of this statement where I was like, you know, you're afraid of the future because you don't know what the future looks like Mm. um, now. And so when I finished that journey and I read that, I actually like the day that journey was finishing, I was like, Oh my God, this past me is so brave to have that foresight to know right it's like she had no idea what was going to happen but she was still like you know what let's see what happens hmm. so i thought that was really cool i think that change is one of those things that we run from it because we're like this is overwhelming and mm-hmm. 
I don't know who I'll be at the end of it. And we're just so terrified of that. And you're like, but you know what I do know? I know who I used to be. Right. I'm fairly sure about who she or he is or they are. Like, mm. I know them and I get them. And if I don't move from that space, at least it's familiar. Um, mm. And I, I do like t- completely guilty of being like, okay, this is a safe harbor. I'll stay here. Mm. But the thing is, I'm starting to realize that it's, you know, for better or for worse, you just can never be the person you were before. We're oh my god, <laughs> Wait, let I me sit down. Right. Shit, <laughs> <laughs> like that person is already past. You know what I mean? If you cling right. to your past, you have to cling to it because if it was present, you wouldn't have to cling. It would be happening. Okay, you know? so I'm actually gonna throw up. Like, <laughs> I actually that no, but you're so right. Oh my god, wow. Sorry, keep going. Yeah, <laughs> and it, it, it's kind of like in Himela Himele Ahilo when when um. Who was he? The one who was in love with Nona, but was not. He got his wife from the past. Ah, Harry. He, Harry. There yeah. we go. Harry was like that same way, and it wasn't until he realized the person who was with his wife mm-hmm. isn't him anymore. And I think that's a hard thing for us to admit because mm. it, it, it's just a hard thing to have to 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 deal with. And I think we end up romanticizing our past and forgetting that the person we used to be one maybe very proud of the person we are now or would be looking at us like why are you trying to be me from the past (laughs) i was waiting to be you (laughs) right oh my god i think about my younger teenage self my teenage self all she wanted to do was be me in the present i'm like man teenage me was so cool and she's like no i am not (laughs) so I think for me, the way I'm trying to deal with change now is to be more like water, which you have talked about before, Marcy. And just Mm. you can't fight the experience of being alive. Like we are alive. Time moves and we move with it. And instead of trying to fight it, maybe we just, you know, move with it and 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 feel the beauty that is that process. Mm. Um. And I think when you try to pull back and and this is easier said than done because I yeah. mean, even in the story, right, she's dealing with death and death is not something you're like, I theorize that I will go with the with the flow and I will be like, mm-hmm. oh, come on. Like, <laughs> you know, like it's just messy. Life is right. just messy. And I think admitting that it's messy and that it's hard. And as you said, that we don't always change cleanly mm-hmm. <laughs> or the way the beautifully <laughs> um is is i think probably probably the best way to go about it and i also think coming back to our episode with tiger flu mm-hmm. i think there is still something to be said about be careful in the ways you go about things like do right. be more intentional in the way you change it, mm-hmm. it, i guess what i'm saying is the process is the point right like the process is the whole thing so do be intentional in the way you change and how you change and who you consider or, you know, start an apocalypse. Like, it's your... It's your <laughs> oh, my God. That's a big burden. You're not going to start an apocalypse just because you <laughs> change messily. <laughs> no, that is... Oh, my gosh. Wow. I have so many thoughts about that. That's so interesting because I, I... I think about, for example, how I feel like in a lot of, like... I, I've definitely been in times, or I, rather, in, in conversations with people where they'll say things like you know, like, I'm just trying to be the person that, like, you know, five-year-old me, like, needed or, like, five-year-old me, like, really wanted in life and things like that. It's, like, this idea of kind of exactly what you're saying of, like, looking back at a younger version of ourselves and just trying to actualize or, like, meet the standards of that, like, smaller person. And it's, like, hmm. I like I, I don't really know if, like, five-year-old me would right. look at current me and be, like, 
yes, bitch, you did that shit, bitch. Yes, girl. Like, I, I feel like they'd be <laughs> like, um, we have a lot of questions, but honestly, like, you you tell us up this is. Like, we're like, we're not bad. You know, like, I feel like right. I also love how me in the past is somehow plural. But anyway, um, so like, <laughs> it's just like, I don't know, I feel like there's like, it, it's interesting because I feel like sometimes it can too be a double-edged sword. Like, I can think about times in my life where I've said things or done things or just otherwise acted in ways that like what previous me like that would have just been like unfathomable like I would have never mm. done some shit like that and I feel like there's like this additional guilt of like oh my god like I can't believe I did this thing that I never thought I would have done like or I like right. am feeling away about something that I never thought I would and it's just like looking back at an older version of yourself as a, almost like an additional punishment of like well younger you like would have done this this and this right. and current you is just like fucking up and like clearly like you're like regressing as a person um, and it's just like that's it's, it, it just makes me right. It just makes me think about the fact that like, well, no shade to younger me, but like current me like, has gone through plenty right. of shit that younger me <laughs> don't know shit about. You know what I mean? Like, it's like right. I feel like I'm literally talking to like one of my kids. It's like, bitch, you don't know shit about this. <laughs> like, and it's just like, yeah, like it's like we we just go through things that we have experiences that we never that again we it's like barely fathomable when we're younger, and so right. we change in ways that we don't necessarily recognize or that we couldn't have necessarily foreseen. I feel like that's actually kind of better because it, sh- it points to like mm. it's like we defy our own sort of like confounds of like imagination towards who we can yes. actually be as people and so Ooh. i don't think it has Ooh, to be Marcy. like Ooh, wait <laughs> Ooh, don't just run up that was <laughs> that was great you're right we are def- yeah we, if if you are exactly who your five-year-old self thought you would be your five-year-old self eats paint yeah. <laughs> your doesn't know anything <laughs> You're looking at a marker like if it smells like strawberries right. is it not strawberry it's clearly a strawberry is she does <laughs> does she smell like a strawberry yes okay so like why are you saying that i can't eat it you know what i mean like i like, it's, it's like yeah it's like it's like we we just are going and like that's true for even me now right like at age 26 like i'm sure like at age 40 like i'm gonna be like all types of a way where it's like i would have never Facts. thought i would but it's like again it's like that's just like I, I like to think as we get older and like as we experience more that our ability to imagine expands like we become mm. more able to conceptualize different things that we just weren't able to previously and i know it's not always Ooh. that linear but i don't know that's just something that i just try to remind myself when i'm like girl like seven-year-old marcy would have been like what the fuck but like it's like okay well sis i mean seven-year-old marcy went through nothing <laughs> you know I mean? like, it's just like <laughs> it's like just kind of where we're at at this point so i don't know it's just it's, it's like that those self-changes can just be like and then also too it's like it can be terrifying because it's like you feel yourself changing in different ways but then it's like yeah like you said it's like you don't know where it's gonna end it's like am i gonna like who i am at the end of this because there have also been times in my life where i'm like who i actually don't like who i'm becoming right now and like i have to like almost like i have to like kind of check myself and be like so you're kind of going down a path where you're like becoming like this and like i feel like like core values is this compatible and it's like Ah. no it's like okay well let's how can we how can we pivot this a little bit? And Ooh, I like that. And I guess for me, up to this point, that's mo- mostly happened in situations that were just very much contextual and like situational. They they weren't necessarily like these like permanent aspects of my life. It was just more so like a response to being in certain situations. I know I'm speaking very vaguely and everyone's like, what the fuck is Marcy talking about? Like, you want to spill the tea, bitch? And it's like, girl, maybe episode 50, but like, you know, we like <laughs> still trying to like build trust and shit. So, um, so yeah, it's just changes. Mm. Oh, ciao. It's. Hi. It's it's a lot. So 
And I think you make a really good point in that when you're younger and you're going through physical changes and puberty and growth spurts or whatever. Oh my God. Change <laughs> almost feels just, mm. but change feels like something that happens to you and not mm-hmm. something you control. Right. But you're right. When you get older, there is an aspect of autonomy to change. Like, mm. like you're saying, you're like, I don't want to become this person at, at a certain point there. And maybe that's actually all of your life. It's just less obvious when you're younger, but yeah. Who you become is actually in your discretion at Hmm. some point. And so recognizing that change is both something that happens to you and something that you steer. Yeah. I think that's a really good point, Marcy. Thank you. I am going to note that somewhere. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you. Thank you. Uh, Yeah. So change is... You know, it's it's a process, um, and we're going to get into true? all of that because our main character, May, here is going through a lot. But before we do it's that, true. let's take a quick break, and then when we get back, we'll start doing our summary of part one of Small Beauty. Woo! back yes so like we mentioned in the introduction this week we're going to be discussing part one of small beauty and i mean before we even begin this book is like it's it's, it's not necessarily like a oh like plot point plot point plot point sort of situation yeah it's right. sort of like a story of of life and of memories mm. and ancestry and stuff like that and so the chronological order of things while it is clear there are some points where it's kind of like it actually there's some things like some memories that come up where it's like I actually don't know where this happened in relation to other memories but it all makes right. sense as you read it it's kind of like yes so essentially to begin May is a trans woman that lives in Canada and she lives in this city called Dundurn and basically the the whole story up to this point essentially explores her mourning process after her cousin Sandy recently passed away yes so just giving you a bit of context about May. So growing up, she grew up with her mother, June. And essentially, the two of them, from what I understand, didn't necessarily have the closest relationship. June definitely wasn't necessarily able to... I I guess June didn't necessarily fully comprehend who May was as a person and like didn't necessarily accept her gender Mm. identity and things of that nature. And so growing up, May was really close to her cousin Sandy, the one who recently passed away. Um, And Sandy lived with his mother, Bernadette, as well as his grandmother, whose name is Nai-Nai. And so growing up, May would spend a lot of time with them. And they lived in this like rural town called Herbertsville. We should also point out that Nai Nai is just the Chinese word for grandmother. So that's her name. But that's like it, basically ah, his grandmother. Uh, yeah, They did not know that. Okay. Good mm-hmm. to know. Uh, yeah. So yeah. So basically, so May, so May would grow, like, you know, spend time with them in Herbertsville. And like it was, it was kind of a safe space for her to just sort of be herself. And yeah. so essentially right now the story kind of starts with may like in that immediate morning process essentially she's in mm. sandy's house with sandy's dog hazel who like hazel like we don't really like there's not a lot of like just like descriptive details about like what hazel <laughs> looks like but i just imagine that hazel is just like cute af because she's just like mad loyal and like super sweet and just like so innocent i just uh the dog is really just one of my favorite characters even though hazel narratively hasn't really done much to the story but like no i love you like i love hazel 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 did half a thing what (laughs) but yeah hazel real mvp for real but uh basically so yeah so she's like kicking it with hazel in sandy's house and i'm not sure if this happened 
soon before this, but Bernadette, Sandy's mom, also died as well. So it, it basically, yes. like, May is just, like, in not necessarily a good space. And so the book kind of starts right. off with her being in Sandy's house, like, you know, just sort of in mourning, and her friend Annette calls her. And Annette is like, it lives, so Annette lives in Dundurn at this point, because May moved to the countryside in Herbertsville to, you know, spend time in Sandy's house. And Annette's just like really concerned because she's like, May, you are just like clearly really depressed and like don't really talk to people and like aren't Mm. employed and like you're clearly, like you're just, I'm like worried for you. And then May's like, fair. Like she's just like, yeah, like I'm like not, (laughs) I'm just like not in a good headspace. Right. So essentially May will kind of like walk throughout Sandy's house and just like, just start to reminisce about various memories just based on like, you know, seeing certain objects or just like being in certain spaces. And reminisce about everything. Like reminisce about her grandmother, reminisce about Bernadette and June and Sandy and their family dynamics. Yeah. So essentially when they were kids, like um, May and Sandy was like spend a lot of time together. They would like play pranks on each other. And it was interesting because Sandy was always very protective of May. He always sort of had a relationship where he felt the need to, yeah, like just like protect her and like be there for her in different ways. But yeah, like the two of them were just like very, very close. And June and Nai Nai weren't necessarily the closest. Like Nai Nai was like low-key judgmental as fuck that like June and May like lived in the city, whereas like they lived like in the countryside and she was just like yeah like june i don't know why you just like don't spend time with your grandmother like you just clearly don't i mean i guess with your mother like you just like don't even love me apparently like i just don't like why are you like you just like don't give a shit about me and then june's like so you know these bills that we're paying um yeah <laughs> so that happens because i live in the city so and I, I i visit you all the all the time so i just don't like i i'm being criticized i just don't really understand why it's happening and i'm like june fair um so yeah so there's a little bit of like a judgmental relationship there but it's kind of implied that like nine i was like i'm not sure if she was like a little bit lighter on Bernadette but I feel like like, just overall she kind of had like somewhat of a critical presence um that was something that made notice as a child right yeah I think there's definitely some cultural aspects at play I'm I'm not Asian but I can see some like parallels in the immigrant experience June is definitely getting the you're the oldest (laughs) Mm. kind of treatment where it's like you have the responsibility of all your younger siblings and Sandy kind of gets that too. Mm. Um, The sort of like you need to take care of everyone under you. You need to be responsible. And I also feel like there's a little bit of Nainai being from another country and and that distance and that fear of distance and, and not knowing how to bridge the distance mm. of, of immigration and, and having changed and being outside of that culture where y- you know it would have been easier for her to visit or it would have I, I don't know if when Nai Nai is saying like you don't visit her point is that like I, I don't know if it's so much of a criticism as it is an inability to express a sorrow mm. um, but that's an interpretation I and that's not the, this is not the discussion section <laughs> <laughs> No, but I live for that interpretation. No, that definitely makes a lot of sense. So very that, very much what Aqua just dropped to the girls. And so another thing about Nai Nai is that, so Nai Nai also is not alive at this point. And so she would always criticize how Canadians, but I think more specifically she meant white people, like how they, like Mm. how they would treat older people like she would always say like they kind of treat older people like they treat their dead they just like you know like the dead they just bury and they just forget about them and like it's just like random as fuck but meanwhile like right. nine is very much someone who's like very much connected to her ancestry like she was like described as to, like having 
always like spoken to her ancestors just like in everyday life um and she's right. very much someone who like just has kind of that like family lineage like in in line and so it's interesting because while may is sort of like in herbertsville sort of in mourning she also will have these like kind of choice interactions with Nai where for example there was one night where like may was sleeping i think it was in sandy's bed and like she like heard Nai's voice at like the foot of the bed or something like that but it wasn't framed yeah. as like a what the fuck just happened it was just kind of like a, oh like Nai, are you there like what and so it's like yeah. it's kind of implied that may is beginning to sort of develop this like ancestral connection that like Nai, you right. know had a really strong one um during life and later when may is like depressed in the bathtub doesn't Nine I come back and has a whole spiel. <laughs> yes. So that is the thing that, so that's actually what happens next. So basically there's one day where May, I guess she, it's kind of implied that it was a suicide attempt. I don't want to like drop that super casually, but I think that's pretty mm. much what it was. Cause she, it was described that basically she had like, she was laying on the bathroom floor in Sandy's house and like she had taken all these pills and like she was woken up by Nine Eyes voice. And she was kind of like, I didn't really expect that this would have happened like I thought I wasn't gonna like be here anymore and so right Nina kind of like interrupted all of this and so essentially May at this point is just like okay I'm just gonna like leave and like go to the grocery store and just like kind of like you know do whatever so she goes into town and she like bought a briefcase from like this one place and then like went to the grocery store and like oh also Hazel went with her you know Hazel um <laughs> so like Hazel was like outside um so like you know May's inside the grocery store just chilling whatever she's like walking around there's like this lady that like is low-key following her she's like who the fuck is this but she's like girl I'm not mm. gonna be pressed about this shit and she was yelling I was like lady yeah. stop yelling it was just like really <laughs> it was just like a lot and so like basically May at one point is like what and so like the woman turns out her name is <laughs> Diane and she introduces herself to May because she recognized her because Diane was actually Aunt Bernadette's girlfriend. And yes. so it was like this whole thing. Like May was like, what? Like Aunt Bernadette was gay. Like I didn't even know this shit. Like what the fuck? And like we were just like, <gasps> and like Hazel was like, oh my God. But it's like, but I, right, like everyone's gasping. <laughs> Hazel was outside like driven at birth. <laughs> I'm like really trying to give Hazel a lot. I'm like, yeah, Hazel was mad relevant. It's like, girl, <laughs> anyway. Um, so we were all like gagged. Not even because it's like, oh, like it's like scandalous that she, you know, had a girlfriend. It was just more so that like May was like, I didn't even realize that like my family had like this queerness in it. Like I like didn't even realize that that was a thing because May herself identifies as queer. So she's like, wow, like I can't believe like my aunt was also queer. And like, I just had no fucking idea. And Sandy never told right. me. So it was just like, it just really caught her off guard. But also the thing was that her aunt Bernadette and Diane didn't live together. And like there was a point made that Diane was not there. Right. When- the family visited so it was it wasn't like meg like just didn't notice like right. there was like you know people behind the scenes orchestrating a certain right scene yeah and that was definitely a source of tension throughout their relationship that diane you know later mm. later told may and so essentially they get to talking and at one point they're like oh we should like hang out so they like leave the grocery store but before leaving, May has this like very strange interaction with the cashier, which I'll actually go into yeah. for the quote section later. But basically, the cashier was like, "What did she say?" She was like, "Oh, like I have like a niece, or sorry, I have actually like a nephew that like you know is just like you, and I just like really respect that like y'all can just like live your lives and just like be yourselves and like look like I'm an ally." And she like had like a rainbow button, and like she was like, "I'm just like such an ally," and like May was like. I'm I'm trying to buy asparagus. Like, can like I, I don't <laughs> I, just, I don't know why this is happening. So like it was just kind of like asparagus. yeah like sort of a strange interaction. But basically, May and Diane like kind of become friends. So basically, Diane drives May home, and Hazel of course. And Ugh. you know May's like <laughs> May's like hey you should like come over later for dinner like blah blah blah. And like Diane's like that sounds lit. So mm. fast forward they end up like getting dinner. So like Diane comes over 
May like makes lasagna and so they're all like just chilling like talking and like it, it was like a really good interaction at yeah first like they're just chilling talking whatever like just kind of like talking about like Diane's relationship with like Aunt Bernadette like for example there's one point where like May didn't know where like the wine glasses were because she like got wine and like she didn't know where like mm. to put it in like the cups and stuff and then Diane's like oh lol is like on the top shelf and like you know next to the you know next to the wine glasses you know that's where we kept our pot and May was like bro who the fuck was Bernadette like what the hell <laughs> <laughs> so like it was just like wild so essentially they're like chatting over dinner whatever and then at one point shit just went really left because basically diane was like oh so like you know what's a guy like you doing out here in herbertsville like this isn't exactly san francisco lol and may was like excuse me and then diane's like she just like kept going on and on and basically at one point during this conversation may realizes that like oh like she sees me as like the like gay nephew but i'm like a whole ass woman so like let's just she's like okay she's like and she was confused because she was like you clearly knew so much about me from bernadette so like how did you not know that I'm a woman, you know, like, it's like, how did the, like, how did this get like lost in translation somehow? Right. And funny enough, I'm not sure if it was actually the fault of Bernadette or Diane's own ignorance, but we'll get into that later. But basically, so essentially at this point, May is like, Hey, like I, I'm, I'm a woman. Like I'm a, like I'm a whole woman. And then like Diane's like, Oh girl, LOL. Like, you know, I get it. I have a bunch of like gay male friends and you know, there's some true Queens, LOL. And like May's like, no, I'm a, I'm a woman girl. Like you're doing that thing. Let's stop that. Like, he's like, I'm a, I'm a woman. Like stop, like not listening to me. And then when Diane like realized what, like what she was saying, she was like, Oh my God, like what? And like basically Diane like was like, says some shit like oh you know like i really like you kid like i don't like i hope you don't actually see yourself like this hopefully this is like a phase or something and then diane went into this yeah. whole diatribe about how she like used to work at this like women's shelter and like would deny housing to trans women specifically and may the entire time was describing the feeling of like just being in this conversation and just feeling like her skin was getting further and further away from her like she was like i right. like what the fuck is going on she comes very focused on the lasagna yeah she was just like she, she was like looking at the pots and pans she was like how am i gonna clean this lasagna later like i just like meanwhile like <laughs> diane's being like mad transphobic and it's like really fucked up and so then diane like has this like really stoic expression and then just like leaves and then that's kind of that we don't really hear from Diane for the rest of at least part one. We'll see what happens right. in part two. Yeah, it was. Yeah. So after Diane dips, um, Hazel's like, "What the hell?" No, Hazel, <laughs> yes, Hazel. <laughs> Hazel kept just <laughs> sitting on the ground. Right. But um, <laughs> then um, what commences like a series of flashbacks, and it's before Sandy has died or passed away. So the first one is Sandy and May are having an argument because Sandy drove into town. He says to see his friends, but was it to beat up May's ex who mm. was very disrespectful? Um, it's unclear because it, uh, the way <laughs> Sandy tells it, he was at a bar with his friends and then this guy was just going on and on and on making like comments. So he sits down and asks him a couple questions, finds out that he's talking about May and then mm. just, you know, throws hands. And May's right. like, hmm, didn't really need you to do that i kind of had my own <laughs> way of taking care of the situation and she talks about how she like flooded his mail with some like odd nicknames that he like is embarrassed by and i think she did something else i think she like put his keys in some maple syrup right she, <laughs> she like she like signed him up for like all these like porn websites or some shit like like their newsletters which is like very right. petty <laughs> <laughs> right and i was like all right may like live it like i don't know live but, your life but also like thank god like like thank god I mean, I, I guess I was kind of just like that. This is 
a lot of energy <laughs> expended. Like, I was like, you had to go to the website to find a subscription. <laughs> revenge is different. Like you could do what you want. Lord. Um, so then there's another flashback, which is like less fun. Where basically mm-hmm. May is walking back from a party and Annette was at the party too, but Annette was like, I found a boo thing. And so yep. Annette was like, I'm going to stay here. And May's like, great, I'm going home. Mm-hmm. And as she's going home, basically these men are harassing her. And then I guess the guy who's harassing her is like, you're a man. And you're like, no. <sighs> and then he's like, now I'm more offensive and I want to put you in danger. And you're like, wow, oh. this is all so unnecessary. Truly. Um, like, truly. And why does violence need to be a reaction to the situation in any way whatsoever? So <sighs> that ends in some violence. And then she's like, I am traumatized by this. And she goes back home and Connie is there, her other friend Connie. And Connie like kind of helps her out. And then mm-hmm. Sandy calls and Sandy's like, what's up? And she tries to kind of hide what's up. But Sandy's like, I'm going to come into town tomorrow. Mm-hmm. So then Sandy uh, comes back and he and May are fighting again. And from what it sounds like, Sandy's like upset, worried, but... And this actually happens a lot, I feel like, in, in families where mm. the person gets so worried that they can't, they can't you're like, you're being unhelpful. You're worried, yep. like, <laughs> yep. this is the wrong direction to take your concern. Right. They're like, but I am so concerned and I, I can't fight the whole world, but you're here. And it's like, yes, I understand that this is upsetting. But I don't right. know if this is the way to go about it. And so she's basically like, okay, are you mad at me? Are you mad at the man who did this? And so mm-hmm. then he's like, I'm staying over. And then the next day, oh, and they have like a good conversation about their their nai nai. Like basically, Sandy's like, I don't think you knew nai nai like that. And May's like, what was she a drug smuggler or something? And Sandy's like, okay, that was a zero to a hundred. There was like a lot of space between you don't know her like that and she smuggled drugs. And May's like, I mean, I, I true like, facts, but Fair. was she though? <laughs> like, I'm just, I'm curious. <laughs> um. But then it, later, and there's like a night where they can't sleep or something. And, and the next day, Sandy comes back and his hands are bloody. And I'm like, oh, no. And then Sandy is trying to explain how what she did to, I think, the person that attacked her, the man that attacked her. And she says that she hit him in the shoulder. And then Sandy's like, no, you said you hit him in the knee. And she's like, I definitely didn't say that. I said I hit mm-hmm. him in the shoulder. And then he freaks out and goes and vomits in the bathroom. And I was like, oh, no, he yeah, beat somebody up or he killed somebody. <laughs> yeah, because, like, I mean, Sandy's yeah, knuckles were real like, bloody. He just, like, came right. out of nowhere. And, like, and he's very upset. I'm like, why does it matter if it was, like, she, if May hit the attacker in, like, the knee versus the shoulder? Like, I don't. Right. We'll, we'll probably see what happens in part two, honestly. In part two. Yeah. Which I, and I'm like, maybe this kind of also like gets into why Sandy's not around anymore. I don't Oof. Know. Come on. So anyway, then they have a flashback to when Nina is dying and she's basically saying to Sandy like, that he needs to look out for May and, and that his strength's different from hers and that it's very important. And Sandy mm-hmm. is kind of like, has a very resolute look on his face because Nai Nai goes from being like very critical of him to like very like loving and very like, I need you to do something for me, which I think Sandy kind of, it makes him realize that she's passing away. May's mm. a lot younger. So she kind of is like, whoa, things are changing. Cause it's actually from her perspective. She's like, this is like different, you know, she's, yeah. she's talking to Sandy differently than usual. But then, like, the nurse, like, swoops them up and, like, takes them away. And I want to say May was, what May was, what, like, six when this yeah. happened? And yeah. I, I, I don't know how old Sandy was, but I guess, like, 
nine or ten or something. I don't know. Yeah. They're both quite young to be dealing with the situation. Yeah. And then they're after that, there's like a flashback where this like white boy makes fun of May's name and Sandy like I mean he's like, You can catch these hands. <laughs> I think you start to see like, oh, this is a trend. Um Right. Yes. Yeah. So that's So that's where we are, honestly, in part one. Right. Like I feel like this is like this, this short ass. Right. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like it's like the summer short series again. But yeah, this book is actually pretty short i want to say in total it's like 160 pages so it's not super yeah. duper long and it's again it's not like a super like this happened and this happened and this happened it's it's just kind right. of like a journey that brings in different memories as it happens yeah so like a slice of life yeah so yes so let's take a break and then when we get back we'll get into all of our thoughts and feelings Woo. back again hello so we were thinking that before we i guess jump into our discussion we can just kind of you know just like both give our individual takes of the book so far and then just kind of like jump into some of the points that we both had Akko, do you want to start or do you want me to start hmm, i can start mm-hmm. Ooh, i really like this book i think it's a very poetically written book. Yes. So there are parts, yeah, it, it, you're reading and you're like, ooh, that sounds really nice. And it just, it's also very descriptive, but very simple. Mm-hmm. Like, it doesn't take a lot of words, but it very quickly allows you to understand the scenery. And it, mm-hmm. and and she'll take very simple scenes and really paint them for you like there's a point where sandy Mm -hmm. and may are sitting in a coffee shop in the morning and the way she describes the scene makes it very clear that it's happening Mm -hmm. and you're like oh yeah i i feel like i'm suddenly sitting in a coffee shop right i I feel the sounds and things so that was really cool the book is not it's like we said it's a slice of life it's not a narrative book they're just Mm -hmm. talking about their lives and in dealing with that and i think for me what i really liked was having a story that sort of talks about the intersection of gender but also race and Mm -hmm. and being an immigrant in a new country and and how there seems to be even a facetiousness with that or a struggle with identity there what does Mm -hmm. it mean to to not be from there and then to now be here and then the evidence of 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 your ancestors not reflected in your current iteration Mm. so i thought that was all really cool and interesting the book's not finished so like we don't know what happens next but as of right right now i I quite like it i think it's very good yeah yeah and i i feel very similarly like the way it's written there there there's so many points where like like i definitely did this when we were reading sula even like just points where i was just Mm. like take like just take pictures of pages and be like this yes oh thank god (laughs) like i just like would read lines and be like oh my god this is actually a bop um yeah and yeah so the way it's written is just very much in a super descriptive but like like you said just sort of like it's not doing too much Mm. and i like sort of how it plays with like settings like things are very just like like things kind of jump around a lot and i feel like even the almost like reverse chronological order of how the book like of how may's story is told um and sort of like her relationship with everyone else it's just very beautiful and especially knowing that like like you know that like we're looking back at this experience like just the way that she is Mm. and like it's kind of through the same lens of melancholy that it's like wow like this is it it makes it resonate in a different way like for example if the book were written in chronological order and for example it started say with nine eyes death or something like that it would be different just reading it as like okay this is just like a scene that's happening versus like kind of you know, being in Sandy's house and like May looks at something which reminds her of Nine Eye, and then it kind of brings it back. You know, it just it, it feels like life. Yeah. It just feels that's the thing. It's, it feels very okay. realistic because it's like even like yeah. we, for example when we meet 
people just in everyday life. It's like it's not like you know we meet someone and they're like, okay, so this is like my life in chronological order. <laughs> it's like we, kind of, we just like figure things out about people, you know, just yes. as they become relevant. And it like in like through time, it kind of paints a full picture. And even like with ourselves, like I feel like at least with me, like I, like you know, I think about my own past, not chronologically just like kind of as it comes up and so i just feel like the way right. it's written and like that narrative tactic is just really it's just really beautiful and yeah just like yeah. the way like like certain things are written i'm just like oh just 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 feels good in your mouth i'm just like oh yes feels good in your <laughs> mouth. God. I, it's something you think about because when you look back at her reminiscing about sandy you know the whole time that Sandy's no longer there. Exactly. And it adds a, a certain, yes, melancholy to every scene that they're in together, even when they're happy. Mm-hmm. In fact, especially when they're happy, that you're like, ooh, well. And I think you're right. It's very realistic about your life, right? Because right. when you're 30 and someone's passed away, you mm-hmm. can't you can't like be like, let's start from the beginning of the story again. You right. like, can't. It's, <laughs> It's not happening. They're they've, they're gone. Right. So, not that this is like the only person's ever written a book where they did flashbacks, but right. it was very poignant in this book. Right. <laughs> readers are like, what? This is like a common literary joke. Yeah. We know readers. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> or like even like, but it's funny because even going back to that sort of the realism of that, it's like even yeah. For example, like like the example you just gave of like you know being thirty and looking back. It's like even if you look back on say like like say if Sandy were still alive right like looking back at those same memories like while he was still alive is like very different it's like once he dies that's gonna forever influence how you look back at those exact same mm. memories so even like that malleability of the past and like kind of how you feel about it it's like the tone of those memories is always gonna shift even if what yes. happens in them is the exact same and I just feel like yeah. the way the, the book just conveyed that in such a beautiful and seamless way and I just and I also I, I just I, I have to say I do like having a protagonist that's more that's just I mean May's going through it. Like, it's like, this is not mm. like a graceful period of her life. Like, there's a lot of shit, like, kind of in flux. And, like, she's just, like, feeling very lonely. And just, there's a lot of, just a lot going on. Like, she's clearly just in mourning. And, like, I feel like the way that sorrow is, like, expressed, it's not, it, it it's, it's not too, no, okay. I don't want to say it's not too much in the sense that, like, you know, you can be too much if you're in mourning or anything. But I think sometimes, like, <laughs> when characters are written to be sort of more melancholy, like, it can kind of come off. It, it, I don't know. Sometimes it doesn't always translate well. <laughs> but I feel like May, right. when you look at her experience, like, you just, like, you just understand so clearly why she feels the way she that she does. And, like, you like, getting those, like, further flashbacks and more of that context, it's just, it just makes her more, like damn like i feel you like i can think of plenty of times in my life where i just like you know it's like this it's just it's just very raw it's it's interesting for example when we look at like a you know i guess a more recent memory like you know we look at jane from like dread nation or even like like kirilo from like tiger food you know like we like i feel like we're very used to having these very like kind of headstrong like kind of resolute Mm -hmm. main characters and like may is just like bitch i'm struggling (laughs) like you know it's like like it's not it's like this is hard and like i'm really struggling with this and like i'm just kind of bringing you all along in this journey with me and i just feel like i i kind of like that shift of like yeah just having a protagonist that's just like i don't want to say imperfect because not to say that like sorrow is imperfect necessarily but just like very much in this period of transition very much in this period of change still figuring the things out That's a very good point. I will say I, I was actually thinking about the same point when I was reading because I was like, this is really hitting home. And I was like, would this have hit home the same way if I was 15? And I think about the books I read at 15 where I was like, man, these people be whining. <laughs> 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 I'm like, 
like, what? Just I'd be like, mate, just get up. I remember so many times at 15, I was like, why are adults so bad at doing simple tasks? You know, because right. when you're, and I think this speaks to Jane and Carlo, who are both, you know, like 15, 17, 18. Mm. When you're a kid, things seem to make more sense. And there seems to be an easy answer and i think what's really great about this book is may is older and she's saying as we all have to learn eventually it's not that simple these feelings are not that easy it's it's life is complicated sorrow is hard and it's you're never gonna you're not like the the protagonist in the story you might be in your bathroom just trying to keep afloat you know right so i i read and i was like i am in a different place and this is hitting me in a different place and Mm. i like it but I do not think 15-year-old me would have necessarily grasped the emotional gravitas of the situation. Oh. Or the subtlety. Oh, down. Yeah. I <laughs> completely feel the same way. I feel like if I read this shit in high school, I would have been like, maybe it's just like really sad a lot. And like, I'm, I'm not sure if I have the patience <laughs> yeah. for it. And it's just like, but now me right. at like 26, I'm just like, wow, I read. Oh, my God. Wow. I, I yes. Yes. <laughs> I feel, I feel yeah. you, boo. Oh my gosh. And also too, like, I just, I love the, just like the family piece of this whole narrative of like, you know, mm. Nana's connection with the ancestors, which is like sort of hinted at, but not fully like super fleshed out at the moment. And so I'm, I'm very excited to see kind of how that unfolds in part two, but just like the right. idea, for example, even that like, you know, May sort of has this experience in her bathroom and it's Nana's voice that like takes her out of that. I just love mm. that, that image of like, it's like, even if people aren't in this plane of existence it's like they still are there it's like you can still very much feel them and like it's like they're not like 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 and i said it's not like you just bury people and they're just like gone right, it's like it's like they're they're, it's like their influence is still there and they're still like always going to be a part of you and always kind of looking after you and i don't know i just like i really like that image especially considering that may is like a trans woman and like i feel like for a lot of people in the lgbtq community like just like family dynamics can just be so messy for a lot right. of us and so it's just like it's really nice to see sort of that like family unity like despite yeah. this identity, which again should not, it shouldn't be it, like that. Shouldn't matter, but like you know, we unfortunately mm. just live in a world where like oftentimes that is really like a huge make or breaking point for a lot of family dynamics, right. and a lot of violence can kind of result from that. So yeah, that's very very true, and I I think it's so interesting because it it, it speaks a lot of ways in the story, and, and May talks about it a lot. They talk about that intersection of um of culture and and gender and family and how that all mixes together to make a reality that's might differ mm-hmm. if you're an Asian Canadian as opposed to a white Canadian. Mm-hmm. So that's very interesting. But I actually wanted to talk quickly about Sandy and yes. his savior masculinity kind mm-hmm. of thing going on. Yeah. Um, <laughs> in the way May's like, you are being super extra right now. Mm-hmm. What were your thoughts on him? They're, mm, they kind of ebb and flow. I feel like mm. Sandy, I mean, obviously Sandy and May are, were, you know, were just very, very close. And so I understand sort of the, okay, like I'm, I'm older than you. And like, you know, Nina kind of gave me this like life mission to like, you know, like kind of like look after you. And like, there's like very much a sense of like responsibility and protection mm. over May. And I, and I don't necessarily think that like, like feeling like, you know, you really want to like look after people. I don't think that that's really an issue. I just think that there were times where like Sandy would sort of like intervene on May's life in ways that were kind of like, I'm not sure if you fully understand what you're doing here. And I feel like some mm. sometimes it kind of read to me as like almost like this, like this sense of like, oh, like if I is like, sure, like I'm like, quote unquote, protecting May, but I'm also like validating my masculinity through this process. Mm. I think, for example, about like, 
May the whole situation with like May's boyfriend, right? Like where like Sandy was just like just happened to be in town and just happened to be at a bar and like like May's ex just happened to be there. And, like, you know, it's just like and then all of a sudden like they just like exchange like they just like jump into fisticuffs. Like it's like one bitch, you know, like you you was probably looking for some trouble, like let's be real. But also too, it's like mm-hmm. we have to be kind of cognizant of what that could mean. I mean, May also was like in another flashback was like assaulted by this man in this park, like just super randomly. And like, I just, for example, I would think about like, if I go out and I'm just start wilding, right? Like, it's like, I'm just like going to beat up May's ex, for example. It's like, what are the implications for like, you know, any sort of potential retaliation or like kind of what Mm. position this could put May in later? You know, it's like, I feel like Sandy sometimes, like he had great intentions of just like wanting to be there for May's. Um, he had intentions. I mean, he had intentions. <laughs> he had intentions. But I do think that sometimes it's like they kind of got lost in sort of his own sort of like, I would argue mm. a bit more selfish desire to like, to go about things in a way that like makes sense for him. But even, and like, it's funny because even May was talking about how like, you don't listen to me. Like, I didn't, no one told you to do right. this. You just did this thing because you felt it was the best thing to do. And it's like, why do you feel so at liberty to decide what's best for me? Like, I know you like are trying to like be there for me, but like, you also have to like trust in my ability to like live my life and also respect the nuance of like my life experience that you do not share. Mm. So Sandy, sometimes I was like, Oh my God, girl, you kind of doing a lot. Like even the whole thing with like, he had like bloody knuckles and then May was like, what's that about? And he was like, nothing. And then he like randomly freaks out when May is like, Oh yeah. Like I hit him in the knee instead of the shoulder. He was like, Oh, and I'm just like, and then Hazel was like, Oh, and I'm like, why, why is, why is everyone wilding right now? Like, (laughs) should it matter? Like why? Like you clearly went out and did some shit. So like, what exactly, like, I feel like you, right. it's like this is putting people in like precarious situations where like, sure. Like, I mean, it could like nothing could happen, but also something could, could. as a response yeah. of you acting like this. So Sandy was, uh, he, he was a little complicated. How, how did you feel about him? Yeah. I, I think your interpretation is, is pretty much kind of where I landed. I did think it's an interesting like examination of masculinity because I do think Sandy is yeah trying to be protective and, and the way we teach young men in general to protect people is is a lot of times with their hands and to show love by being this like I can protect everything I can hold everything and you're like okay one you can't because you're a human and <laughs> facts that's impossible facts and two it's yeah exactly it's like there is a level of him trying to validate I don't know if it's, I mean, maybe we'll find out more in, as the story continues what Sandy is struggling with mm-hmm. or if it's just, you know, your run-of-the-mill masculinity and getting older. Right. And I do think Sandy is an Asian man in Canada and, and so there is probably some, like, emasculation happening that he's mm. trying to fight against. Yeah. Um, and also, I think, too, a lot of, like, racism. Sandy seems kind of aware of racism, and when he's talking to May about the show and he's like, the show's for us. Like no one else understands the show. Like, and I think there is a level of protection. Like you can't come at me and my culture and my family that way in a place that's kind of foreign, quote unquote. Like, you know what I mean? Where right. like, people are a bit more antagonistic. It's not to give Sandy a pass. I don't, I don't think, don't beat people up yeah. on people's <laughs> behalf. Like, right. <laughs> an appropriate way to deal with the situation yeah no i i definitely agree with that and and just real quick for context so the show um that aqua mentioned is were were they like cartoons yeah so yeah it was like these cartoons that like may and sandy used to watch and like it was kind of this like sacred thing that they would do and it was like because it came from from china yeah someone brought it for them yeah and so it was kind of this piece of like even though 
China felt very distant for both of them. It's kind of like this is a sacred thing that kind of like reminds us of like right. sort of like you know our culture and stuff. Right. And then also it's like we're not represented on TV here, but there's like a whole place where we are right. on television, you know, and mm. yeah. So I think Sandy and I and I think it starts to weigh on Sandy too, right? Like we have to remember their parents don't seem the most <laughs> like yeah. not responsible or irresponsible, <laughs> but there's a lot of things at play and it seems like Sandy has to take on an adult role mm. a lot sooner. And I think a lot of immigrant kids, if you're the oldest in the immigrant family, depending, that can be something that happens to you where you're like i need to lift this whole thing because my parents aren't from here so i'm the oldest person who's from here and i mm. need to make sure i keep everything together and especially to see like your mom die and your nine die it's just i can see that sandy isn't isn't like he his actions are like not great but it's they're not coming from a place of like complete just like disregard and privilege right. in my opinion mm. No, that makes a lot of sense. It's like, it's a lot of pressure that they are living within just between like what's going on outside and like what's going on in the home. It's just, yeah. So I, it's like Sandy and that's what I kind of like about his characterization. Cause I feel like on the surface of like, we just met someone like Sandy without like context. I'd be like, Oh my God, I'm like already tired. I'm so <laughs> tired. <laughs> like I just like would not even give a fuck. But like seeing his relationship with May, like through her lens, it's just like, okay, like I really understand more of like, right. Kind of like, why is like this? But it's not even to say that like Sandy is like the most egregious example of masculinity, but even then it's just kind of like, no. okay, girl, you're kind of like doing a lot. Like, like he's come still on. doing a lot. Yeah. Yeah, like, but like, I, I feel like, <laughs> oh, sorry. <laughs> no, like that was pretty much it. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, I feel like, like if I met Sandy in a bar and like had to talk to him, I feel like he would offend me less than like that <laughs> other guy, her, her ex who's over here just wilding in the bar. I was like, oh, right. My God. <laughs> right. Um, but yeah. And I also do like that, like, you know, May was able to explore her gender like in Herbertsville, like with Sandy and his family. And it wasn't like, and mm. it's like playing with that dynamic of like, you know, you assume in like sort of like a more rural place, it's kind of like, like, right. you know, kind of going back to Diane's question. It's like, oh, like this is like, this ain't really San Francisco, but it's like that familial safety was there to, to explore. Right. And so that's also just, ah, people are just so complicated. They're just so complicated. I think. This book is really interesting because it just it, it's a queerness that speaks to a cultural experience. Like she's saying like, but mm -hmm. OK, I'm still Asian. And for me, like having a family there is maybe better than being in a city where there is no family. Like I mm. cannot I cannot like, like my queerness cannot just divorce itself from my culture. Uh, my transness can't divorce, divorce itself from my culture. And I think, right. it's, as you were saying, a lot of times in the West, like that, there is that divorce for oftentimes very good reason. I'm not trying to say, <laughs> you should say anywhere where things are dangerous. But I right. think it's like, that's one narrative and this is another one. And I like that this person was able to put their narrative out there. Right. Yeah. I, I agree. And it's just like, and it's funny because even, for example, when May met Diane at the grocery store and like found out that Aunt Bernadette was gay, like, she was kind of talking about like, yeah, like I didn't realize that like there were other queer people here like this is wild. Mm. And it's just like, and I was like, oh my God, I relate. Like, it's <laughs> like, it's like, I definitely, you know, my own family experience. Like there's actually one of my, I guess, great aunts. I found out like after she died that like the person that like, I just assumed was like her friend throughout the entire, like the, <laughs> the mm. entire time she was alive because like everyone was like, oh yeah, like that's like her friend. Like 
I was like, the, I found out later that they were like in a whole ass relationship. And I'm just like, so no one Dang. felt the need to tell me this like during like what the fuck. And so I feel like, yeah, like that experience of being like, damn, like I'm actually not the only one here. It's just like, just really something that I can, I feel like a lot of people can relate to. Mm. So yeah, so I don't know. It's just like, there's just a lot about family that I'm just like, oh my God, this is so, it's just really interesting. Cause even like, for example, in a lot of flashbacks, people will misgender May and stuff like that. And it's kind of like, it's like she's interacting with people that she loves, but obviously there's like kind of a mm. gap between sort of like, how she sees herself and how people see her. Right. And I feel like it kind of just brings up this question of like, and again, this is like, this is all just like very much just like personal experience. And I'm just like, this book just brought up a lot. Like, it's just, I feel like there is sometimes this like, this like tightrope, this balance of like communicating an LGBTQ experience with like a certain like older generation that may not necessarily like Mm. understand and like kind of finding that rope of like, and at least luckily in this situation, it seems like May's family's for the most part. I mean, except for her mom. Her mom's like not great about it. But like, I feel like. Is her mom also dips. Yeah. Her mom like literally, I think she, they think she moved to China, but it's like unclear. They don't even know. They actually have no idea. Uh, so like, <laughs> it's just like, I, and I feel like it kind of brought up this, yeah, again, this tension of like, how do I sort of like express myself authentically? Like how do I express like my queerness or my transness authentically? But at the same time, like, acknowledge the fact that, like, though my family might love me a lot or, like, they might be supportive mm. in certain respects, like, they don't fully understand me. Like, understand. how do I, I guess, to what extent can someone love you without fully understanding you? It kind of becomes mm. this whole question there. And it's just, like, I don't know. It's, like, there's a lot of, like, family shit where I'm just, like, this is, like, <gasps> too real. Um, and, yeah, that's definitely yeah. something that even I personally still kind of, like go back and forth on like i'm just like how do i like like what do i do with this like having family members right. that just don't just don't really get it you know like so it's just interesting yeah um yeah and it's funny because yeah. i feel like in a lot of ways like literature especially literature like this can be such a like healthy form of like escape of like okay like this is like mm. alternative realities like this is like kind of how the world could look like so it's interesting just reading something that like yes while fictitious is like just so resonant i'm like it, but at the same time in a way that like feels it's like an exploration that I'm like kind of, I'm like really into. It's like, I kind of, I'm actually more willing to kind of have this like discussion with myself and sort of like go back and forth with these questions, like kind of from the lens of these characters or like from this like protagonist, it just feels a bit more Mm. like it feels less overwhelming for some reason. I don't necessarily know why that is, but I know I feel like this book made me think about a lot of things. I'm like, I feel like by myself, if I was just like journaling, I'd be like, I'm overwhelmed, but like somehow may talking about her experience. I'm just like, huh? It's just like, I feel like I'm like more empowered to explore these themes. Mm. So yeah. Yeah. I, I think that makes sense because it's like when someone puts something into a novel and it goes out there, you're like, oh, I'm not alone. Like someone else exactly. has these thoughts and this isn't some weird thing that's just right. me, like <laughs> thinking. <laughs> it's like, no, other people, this is a, a process and, and a feeling and a thing that people go through. And yeah, I, there are parts of this book when they were talking about how they would like order food from that their nana used to make and they weren't quite sure if it was the food that they remember from their childhood but they definitely feel like it is and they Mm -hmm. have some claim to their old country but really it's not there but maybe it is and that sort of like tension (laughs) i was like oh i feel this tension Mm. and i hadn't the way they put it was so poignant that i was like oh my god thank you for 
writing that in a way that made me be like, that's that's it. That's what I mean. That's what I mean when right. I'm feeling that thing. So mm. it makes sense that you're like, no, that's what I mean when I'm feeling that thing. That was the thing I was trying to, yeah. <laughs> I was trying to say. Um, and that's you're right. That's what literature can do, right? It can, it can take a bunch of feelings that people have and sort of solidify them into something that is it's easier to hold on to. Right. That's yeah. Oh my gosh. Yeah, it's like similarly in tone to Small Beauty. I feel like this episode is kind of like a similar like (laughs) heaviness. Um, Yeah, I I definitely, I definitely feel that a lot. And that makes so much sense. Something also that I kind of want to talk about too is that, again, in the vein of literature being that girl, like Mm. I love that. Well, I don't, I mean, I don't love this, but you know, it is really dope having a trans woman as a protagonist. And it's interesting too, because even seeing kind of how, like May just in her like everyday life, right? It's like she'll have these moments where people like will misgender her. And it's interesting because like mm. kind of reading it from her perspective, it's just like it just like hits in a completely different way. Like different you just like way. see sort of like yeah. the nuances of like how this happens and you're just like, Oh my god, like people, like cis people, like oh my like Jesus Christ. Yeah, yeah. Like, be, like I knew it, but oh my god. <laughs> Can y'all get and it together? Sh- you can feel her fear. You know what I mean? Yes. Because it's not just that she's being misgendered which is bad but it's also that like okay if you're not recognizing this am i now suddenly in danger like do you what what is your feelings towards me what's that gonna you know what's that gonna do for my safety in the situation and right you're like, Ooh, that, that is an anxiety producing feeling and and i agree with you i think having having her as a protagonist allows you to put yourself in her shoes mm-hmm. in a way that i don't i think we can get away with not doing in real life right and it's funny because even I remember at the grocery store um, when she first met Diane, who Diane, I just oh, clearly don't see it for her, but whatever. Um, there was like some moment where like, oh, so after the cashier said that weird shit, which again, we're going to like go into May was like thrown off and kind of like, why did that happen? And like Diane basically, I forgot what the exact word was, but she essentially was like, like, you have to like learn to take a compliment or like, you know, you have to just like learn to like be happy when people say things like that to you. And it's just it was just kind of like this moment of like, you don't. You, you don't you don't get it and then they had dinner and i'm like oh so you really don't get it like it's just like you like <laughs> this was no light not good right you, you like level good. 100 don't get it yeah. like you like oh my god um and so yeah it's just I like it, sorry no i was just gonna say i think it also speaks to the tension between the trans community and the lgbtq community like queerness where it's like mm-hmm especially as as sort of being gay and being lesbian becomes a little more, we're not going to push it acceptable Mm -hmm. because we're not going to diminish what's actually going on, even though people say things are super better. Right. But I I think there, when people try to like be like, Oh, you know, things are getting better. Things are getting easier. It's like, well, are things getting easier if you're trans? Like we have to ask ourselves that really. And, and, and is there a tension between, folks being like okay but we're not that type of person and it's like okay wait why all of a sudden is there a distinction now that you have a little bit more access to sort of Mm. you know like whatever society that was the proper one i don't give a but I love how you like got tired while saying it. You're like, I, I just, I'm so tired. <laughs> Can't be bothered. But right, and I, I think that's what you're seeing here too. Is mm-hmm. that uh, Diane's like, so you know, like San Francisco is like a place now, making references to that, and it's like, but then she, it's still like, okay, but, but when we were all other, maybe there was more solidarity. Now mm. that things have become a little more stratified, we're starting to see where that solidarity weekends and 
Yeah. 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 It's and it's funny because honestly, let, let's just let's just go into my quote real quick because that's honestly about like this whole interaction. Mm. So essentially, yes. Yeah. So the context is that May was at the grocery store and the cashier was like, oh my God, like I'm such an ally and like shows her this rainbow button and is like, oh, like you remind me so much of my nephew and like I'm just so glad you can be yourself. So what happens immediately after is like this is from like May's perspective. It reads, May's face flushes. These interactions feel like a mix of coffee and booze, the warmth of recognition and the anxiety of direct attention. She's unsettled by the host of uncertainties that comes with being recognized as a trans woman by a room full of strangers. Besides, rainbows make May feel buried, lost. Why is support so rarely uncomplicated, she wonders, her scarf falling from around her neck as she walks arms full to meet Diane waiting by the exit. So mm-hmm. it's like that kind of the exact same, that, that same idea of like, it's like this like, this rainbow, this symbol making you feel lost. Cause again, yeah, like there is that separation and like there, I feel like it's very easy for like cis queer people to be like, Oh, like everything's getting better. And it's just like, but like y'all really not recognizing the intersections of like what's going on here. And you yourself have so much bias against trans people and just like, don't even like feel like feel the need. It's like, because like all these identities are in the same community. Like it's like somehow Mm. people feel as though they're exempt from having to examine their own, like, trans bias which is not yeah. the case but i just find, i find that description of like yeah of just feeling lost feeling buried like that is like i'm like that's such a like oh, oh god i love the yeah. way, i love i love the way this book is written <laughs> i agree it was very poignant so my quote is actually i talked about it a little bit earlier but i really like the way it's written so i'm actually just gonna read it from the book mm-hmm. and so it's it's sandy and, and may and it's after they they're talking about the cartoon show that Sandy is like, this is this is us, this is for us. Then May says this line, as adults, they eat at Chinese restaurants, trying to remember what Nai Nai cooked in the restaurant before Bernadette convinced her to sell it when she got sick. They romanticize the memory of the dishes so much that they are never sure that they ordered the correct ones. The tastes are never exactly as they remember them. Mm-hmm. They hold a sense of entitlement to an experience they had never had. And I, I that mm. line, they hold in a sense of entitlement to an experience they never had is so... Yeah, it's. I think it really speaks to someone when you, when you have an identity that isn't necessarily yours, but is not always readily available to you. So mm. that's real. That's yeah. That's real. Do you want to jump into predictions real quick, and then we can? Yeah, let's do it. Okay. <laughs> Obviously, cool, cool, cool. we had lots of feelings about. Yeah. This. <laughs> yes and thank you also again because yeah i know that this is like kind of like a heavier episode which again not anticipated wasn't the plan just kind of happened so yeah just this book is just it's 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 really good it's very good and yeah it's just kind of i mean even the fact that like the emotional transference is like so clear even in this discussion of it it's just uh just Mm. please read it but yes so for my predictions i feel like I mean, obviously, I think we're going to find out how Sandy died specifically. We don't really know at this point. We just know that he's not around. Right. And I do think that, like, just in theme with, like, Sandy always kind of being this, like, protector of May, I do feel like it's going to be kind of, like, a result of that. Because, I mean, Sandy's not that Mm. much older than May. So the fact that he's already not alive is just, like, wild. And so I think it was, like, it might have been something that, like, happened as a result of him trying to protect May or some kind of retaliation, something of that nature. That's kind Mm. of what I think. Aside from that, I do think that Nai Nai is going to play more of a role in the second part of the book. I think, I mean, the fact that she, like, interrupted May's suicide attempt, like, she clearly is, like, a significant character. And I do think that, like, 
she is going to, or at least I hope, like she comes to kind of like recognize May for like who she is. Um, Cause I mean, mm. she died when May was really young. And so I feel like now that she kind of have this like ancestral connection to her in adulthood, I hope that she kind of comes to recognize May as, as who she is. Aside from that, I mean, I don't know if Diane's going to come back. I'm not pressed. I, I'm good. So like, but if she does, hopefully she's like less terrible or like, I don't know, at least apologizes like Jesus fucking Christ. And, um, in some ways I could see May moving to another place. Like I could see her just like kind of relocating. I'm not sure if that would still mean like she like lives in Canada or she just like moves to a different country altogether. I could see, I could see her leaving and like starting a new life or like at least there being kind of like a narrative mm. of like this restart, whether that means like a geographical one or not. I just feel like the book will probably end on that note, but in a way that like May is like accompanied by the ancestors. It's like they all together kind of go on this new, this new path, this new journey, whatever that, whatever that means for May at this point in her life. Mm. Yeah. That's kind of what I think. Uh, what do you think? Akko? Yeah. I, I definitely think kind of, to this nine eye point that the ghost will play a larger role in the story, like somehow, probably not too much because this isn't this is a magical realism, but it's like a light magical realism. Very light. Like it's <laughs> yeah, it's like a a touch the water with your toe level of mm-hmm. magical realism. But um, I think they'll still be there. But and I also think I think May will come to a, re- a resolve about Sandy's death. I I don't know. I feel like when people die, there isn't like, <laughs> there's not like a, you come to peace with things. I don't think you get over it. So I don't know right. if we're going to get an ending that's like, oh, well, now that I've gone through that, that <laughs> transitional <laughs> process in my life, like just like when I graduated high school, I right. graduated being sad. Like it's, that's not going to happen. But right. Fair enough. I think uh, we'll come to a conclusion. <laughs> Uh, here's your you got over it diploma anyway but um so yeah i think that i i I do wonder about how sandy died i i wonder if it being built up that he is so like protective and so masculine if it's going to be something like random or you know what i mean not like we kind of expect it's gonna be like he got in a fight or something yeah watch it be like a car crash or just something that's like dang Mm. yeah like super much like just out of nowhere. Yeah, yeah, like p- people just aren't as strong as they think they are kind of thing, but we'll see. Yeah. Well, <laughs> thank you all for listening as well. Um yes. yeah, and again, this is a heavy episode, but we hope that y'all found some nuggets in between. But yes. Ooh. So, if you want to get Hazel's are fine. Right. Hazel <laughs> was lit from page 1. So honestly, oh, I'm dang. I'm really uh, actually I'm going to add to my predictions. Hazel is going to uh, <laughs> become president like uh, or like yeah, like she's going to be she's going to ascend to power. I'm like really excited for that regime. But um Yes, if you want to get in touch with us, though, we have a Twitter at yes. The Colored Pages, and we also have an email at thesecoloredpages at gmail.com, as well as a website at thesecoloredpages.com. And if you want more colorful content, you can go to our Accomplices and Culture page and see kind of like some interesting people that we be, you know, we just be hanging out with and highlighting. Um, yeah. Blurred, black nerd problems are on there, you know, the BYP. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. 
Yeah. So, you know, on our website, Accomplices in Culture, yeah, definitely find out about those collaborators, these like accomplices in the movement. And yeah, because they're really, really dope and have great content as well. Also, wherever you're listening to the show, if you could leave us like a rating, like a five star or something, that would really (laughs) help us out a lot. Uh, It definitely, definitely, it definitely helps us to kind of get our name out there more and yeah, just kind of like get this to more people. So any support there would be super, super appreciated. Um, Honestly, you could give us one star. Listen, I feel like we don't get any stuff. If you, I mean, like. Like five is cute, but if you're like, you know what, I hate these motherfuckers. I swear to God, like they they think they so deep and lit. Girl, one ass star. Be like, you know what, a star is a star. You know, visibility. So like, you know, just just help your girls out. So so yes. But um, Aqua, is there anything that we should leave our listeners with before we head out? No, I think we're all good here. But 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 until we see you again, just remember to stay Stay colorful. colorful.